1 Kings chapter 2, 10 through 12. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, seven years in Hebron, and 33 in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. Chapter 3, 3 through 14. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you long life. The next reading is from the book of Psalms, chapter 34, 9 through 14. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. From the New Testament, the book of Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Thank you, Dolores. I'm going to ask everyone to open their Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3, and we are going to spend our time together in our Old Testament reading. We'll have other verses besides that, so on the back of your bulletin, it's blank, and uh, there's a pen in front of you, and I'm going to ask you to get that pen and your bulletin out, because there will be other scriptures we look at as well that I'd like you to write down, and a few more things on the screen, and again, whatever uh, God speaks to you, go ahead and write that down, but have your Bibles open to 1 Kings chapter 3, because that's where we're going to spend today. It's good to be together in the house of the Lord. Good to see everybody this morning. And uh, I am kidney stone free now, so that's a, that's a good thing. <clears throat> it's been quite a, quite a summer, quite a recovery here, and, uh, but it's good to be back. It's good to feel good. I'm going to ask you... To now, and thank you for your prayers. Uh, those are the most important thing, thing that you can do for your pastor. Um, but I'm going to ask you to turn your prayer to Leslie now. Uh, Leslie uh, slipped on the bottom step and fractured her ankle and uh, um, is in a boot and will be that way for about six weeks. And, and uh, so just pray for Leslie. Um, she took good care of me, and so now it's my turn to take good care of her. And we're just practicing for old age. That's what we're doing. So we're going to be the, the old couple that takes care of each other. So, um, but I do thank you for um, your prayer. Please pray. Thank you for your grace uh, to me and my family. And uh, thank you uh, for being my family. I want you to write this down in your notes. And uh, it's on the screen. That today's decisions determines tomorrow's destiny. Today's decision determines tomorrow's destiny. This is actually a principle that works in every single area of our life. It's that reaping and sowing and reaping principle in the Word of God that today's decision determines tomorrow's destiny. And it, like I said, it works in every area of our life. It works in our health. The decisions that we make today, good and bad, affect tomorrow. It's true in our relationships. The decisions that we make, good and bad, affect tomorrow. It's true of work. It's true of school. It's true of life. And most importantly, it's true spiritually. And spirit, the spiritual part of it, the decisions we make spiritually actually impact all of our life. Every single other area that I mentioned is actually impacted by the spiritual part of our life. And so today's decision determines tomorrow's destiny. And let me also say this, that, that going God's way or choosing to do what God asks us to do is always a good decision. Obeying God is always a good decision. Listening to the Holy Spirit. Obeying when you are led by the Holy Spirit, always a good idea because you and I, we're at our best when we're honoring God, when we're following Him, when we're obeying Him. But it takes intention. This is not something we do in the natural. It's something that we have to say, no, I'm making a decision to listen to God, to follow God, to be obedient because we don't just coast through life and draw nearer to God. 
If we decide to coast in life, we're actually going to drift away from him. And it's in the big moments of life that we, we kind of seek God, right? I mean, if something big is happening, if, if there's a big decision that needs to be made, if there's a tragedy that comes to our life or pain or trouble, then we seek God and we say, God, I, I really need your help. But what about the average every days of our life? It's usually those are the days that we begin to drift, and it's in the everyday moments that sometimes we can slip. In our Old Testament passage in 1 Kings chapter 3, we see Solomon at his very best. We see a young king that starts very strong in 1 Kings chapter 3. Looking at verse 5, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during a night dream, and God said, Ask whatever you want me to give you. Ask whatever you want. That would be like the best day ever, right? If God said, hey, Daryl, ask whatever you want. Do you know that Jesus told us to ask for whatever we want? God asks questions for reasons. And God asks great questions. Jesus asked excellent questions. In fact, in Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 46, look at this story. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jumping to verse 51, What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. God asks us questions, and he asks really good questions. And Jesus asks the question now, what do you want me to do for you? And it's like one of those really Jesus kind of questions. I mean, it's obvious, right? The guy's blind. That's what he wants. But Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Because if you looked at the story that we just read, the reason that he's there is because he's begging for money. It was a survival moment for this guy's life. He had to beg for money just to survive and stay alive. And so he could have, when Jesus gave him that opportunity, said, I need some money, Jesus. And Jesus could have taken up an offering and got him some money and and, and his survival would have been taken care of. And a lot of times, that's what our prayers are, aren't they? Survival prayers. What do you need? Oh, God, I just need to make it through today. I just need this. But Jesus wanted to get to the heart of the matter with this guy. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And the deepest heart need of this guy was his sight. And so he says, Jesus, I want to see. I want to see. And I think God is asking me, what do you want me to do for you? And instead of just giving him a survival prayer request, dig deep inside and say, Jesus, I, I need this. God asks questions because he wants to get to your heart. Because the heart matters the most to Jesus. For for God, it's all about the heart. And so in our passage in the Old Testament, we see the heart of Solomon in verse 6. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. And so we see his heart starting to come out. In verse 7, he says this, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king and 
place of my father David. But I'm only a child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. We see Solomon's heart here. You know what's beautiful about Solomon's heart in this passage of Scripture? Is he wasn't thinking about himself. He's thinking about other people. He was thinking about carrying on the legacy of his father David who had a heart after God. And then he, he saw all the people out there and, he, and, and God, you've put me in charge of all these people and I don't even know what to do. And, and he wasn't asking for himself. He was asking for others. And sometimes that shows our heart if we're asking ourse- for ourselves or asking for others. And, and, and here it is. Solomon says, just give me wisdom to govern your people. And the Lord Loved hearing the heart of Solomon right here. I'll never forget when Matthew was younger. He's 18 now, but when he was a little boy, he's, oh, you're going to love this story. Um, no. But when he was a little boy, he said, God, if, or Dad, if God ever asks me uh, what I want, I'm going to ask for wisdom. And I said, Matthew, that is great. I, I, I'm so proud of you. And he said, I'm going to ask for wisdom because if, if I ask for wisdom, he'll make me rich. <laughs> and it's like, it, it, it doesn't work that way, you know, because God sees the heart. He sees the heart and he saw the heart of Solomon here. And so God not only grants his request, this is what's beautiful about God, not only does he give Solomon what he wants, but he gives him so much more. He gives him riches and peace and honor and long life. Just looking at that passage of Scripture, those are just a few of the things. Who doesn't want riches and honor and long life? I mean, that's a a pretty good thing there. But those things, riches and fame and long life, they won't bring you the joy and the meaning that your heart is craving for. There's a lot of people in this world that have those things but have no meaning. Let me tell you this morning, there is no place, there is no person, there is no thing that can satisfy your heart's desire. You can't think your way to happiness and you can't spend your way to peace. It just doesn't work. Why? Because you and I were created for so much more than this world. You were created in the image of God and as the wise Solomon said, He's written eternity on your heart. There's nothing in this life that will satisfy. Jesus said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? You were created for more. We see a young Solomon in this passage with a heart after God like his father David, and he he starts so strong but he ends his life so poorly. How did someone who had such a good start and such a good heart end so badly? He was unable to maintain that heart after God like David did. And even though David fell down and messed up over and over again in life, he always maintained that soft heart before the Lord, but Solomon couldn't do it. 
In the last verse that we read in our passage of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 14, you have your Bibles open, look at it. It says, so if you walk in my ways, there's some condition here, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I'll lengthen your days. Then I'll be with you. Then, then Solomon, if you do these things. Solomon knew God. He probably knew God like no other king knew God because he was the one that got to build the temple. And when he built the temple, the presence of God showed up because that's where the presence of God was going to rest. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, beginning of verse 1, it says, When Solomon had finished praying, this is the opening of the temple, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory the Lord of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord had descended on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped God and saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Imagine the glory of the Lord so thick in this room, in this house, that you can't even come inside that you're out in the parking lot and you just fall on your face on the pavement saying the Lord is good and His love endures forever. That kind of power, Solomon saw and knew that type of power of God. And yet his heart starts to drift away. There's a slow fade in his life. And how did that happen? And I'm going to give you one word. It's not on the screen, but you can write it down if you want. Just one word. Compromise. He compromised. A little bit here. A little bit there. And it was those small compromises that took him away from having a heart after God. In the very first verse that we read in 1 Kings chapter 3, as Dolores read so beautifully today, it's the sad verse. It says, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. He loved God, yeah, but he also loved idols. And he worshipped other gods. I know that Solomon always knew what was right. He knew the right thing to do. He just didn't always do it. He didn't always want to do what's right. C.S. Lewis said, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. That road to hell is slippery. It's not something like, oh, I'm not going to follow God anymore. It's just little compromises here and there. At the end of Solomon's life, it says this in 1 Kings chapter 4, for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as the heart of his father David. And in verse 6, the saddest verse of Solomon's life, it says this, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. When it comes to the kings of the Old Testament, you only get one epitaph. There's only one thing that, that marks your life, and it's either 
they did right in the eyes of the Lord or they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And Solomon ends with the sad epitaph, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. From such a bright beginning to such a dark ending. The end of his life didn't look like anything like the the first part of his life. And Solomon lost his way and lost it all. Listen, it's not about fame. It's not about money. It's not about the duration of your life or even wisdom that will will secure your destiny. It's about your faith. It's about walking in faith. That we believe God. That we obey Him. That He is our identity. Unfortunately, Solomon found his identity in so many other things that he missed out on having a heart after God. I always have been bothered by the the life of Solomon. It's one of the most tragic stories, I believe, in the Old Testament of a person who starts so well and ends so poorly. And I always try to look for clues throughout the Scriptures. And the only thing that I can notice from the life of Solomon is this, is that he is the only king of Israel Judah or Israel, any king that did not have a prophetic voice speaking into his life. He's the only king that did not have a prophet. Saul had Samuel. David had Nathan. And even throughout the the rest of the the reigns of, of all the kings of Israel and Judah, whether it be Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Elisha, even the minor prophets, they were speaking into the lives of the kings. Even sometimes hard things like Nathan to David, but David had a soft heart before the Lord, so he repents. So there's a prophetic voice in their life. And not that Solomon didn't talk to God. He talked to God. He knew God. It talks about him speaking to God and God speaking to him because God spoke to him and says, ask whatever you want. But there was no other prophetic voice in his life. Next weekend, Steve Sampson is going to be here and I can't wait. I love it when Steve comes. Steve ministers in the prophetic and he will give specific words to specific people. But when he opens the Word of God and preaches, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, when he opens the the Word of God, he's always kind of pulling on our expectation. Expect to hear from God. Expect God to move. He's always saying, press into the things of God. Go deeper into the things of God. It's that prophetic voice that says, hey, I want you to stay close to God. I hope that I'm that prophetic voice on the weekends. I know it's a pastoral voice and a teaching voice, but I also hope it's a prophetic voice in your life. I didn't get to play Little League growing up because games are played on Sunday. And when mom and dad are planting a church, there's no time on Sundays to play baseball. But our church had a church softball team. And it was a good softball team. In fact, we had multiple softball teams and multiple leagues. And they were good. And, and so I remember at a very early age, them letting me practice with them. And so I'd be ready to play uh, when I turned, uh, to, I think, 16 or a teenager or whatever, to play. And, and so I would practice with them and play with them. And, and what's the thing you always learn when you come up to bat? It, keep your eye on the ball, right? Daryl, keep your eye on the ball. But it's not just batting. It's also fielding. If you're in the outfield, you want to keep your eye on the ball. You want to look it into your glove. You don't want to... Look at the runner tagging up. You want to you keep your eye on the ball or you're playing infield. You want to keep your eye on the ball in case it takes a, a strange bounce or a hop. And you think about football. You want to keep your eye on the ball if you're a receiver. You want to look it in. You don't want to look in upfield where you're running. You don't want to look at that tackle that's coming. You want to keep your eye on the ball. And I believe that's what the prophetic voice is. Keep your eye on the ball. 
That's what Steve Sampson, whatever he preaches when he comes here next weekend to open the Bible, I know it's going to be that kind of word. Keep your eye on the ball. Press in. Go deeper. Don't stay the same. Don't coast. And like I said, I hope that's my voice to you every weekend. Keep your eye on the ball. I know life is hard. I know it's complicated. I know there's a lot going on. But keep your eye on the ball. Keep your heart soft toward the Lord. Listen to Him and obey Him. Solomon writes three books of the Bible. <coughs> Excuse me. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. He also writes a few of the Psalms, but in his final work, which is the book of Ecclesiastes, at the very end, he wraps everything up. Now, these are the words, listen to me, these are the words of a guy who is the richest, wisest, most famous man in the world. There is nothing that this man couldn't buy. There's nothing he couldn't do. There is nothing out of bounds for this guy Solomon. He could do anything. And he wraps up life this way. He says, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. When it's all said and done, no matter how rich or how poor, this is it. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commands. When it's all said and done, fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole duty of man. This is everything right here. Do this, for God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or whether it be evil. Our decision today determines tomorrow's destiny. What are we doing today? Fear God and keep His commandments. In our New Testament passage of Scripture that was read to us in Ephesians chapter 5.15, let me read it again for you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Look at that. I, I love that. It's Paul saying, look, just be careful. Be careful how you're living your life. Don't, don't be unwise. Be wise. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God your Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch how you're living. We don't live like the world lives. I, I, I like what he says here. He says, don't get drunk on wine. I think so many people today are, are drinking just to numb out, just to escape. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. And he says, don't, don't just coast. Don't just escape. Be careful how you live. And what, what and he's talking about worship, he's saying, do it from the heart. Sing these songs from the Spirit, from the heart. Do it from the heart. Live from that soft heart. Because today's decision determines tomorrow's destiny. What are you giving birth to in your life? Hebrews 11.6 says, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He will reward you when you seek Him. When you keep your eye on the ball, when you say, I want to keep a heart after God. I don't want to just coast through life. I don't want to compromise. I just I, I want to love. I want to follow. I want to go deeper. I want to press in. And God says, I reward those who diligently seek me. It, it's hard sometimes to seek the Lord. I get that. It might be hard on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. But I want to tell you, don't stop seeking the Lord. 
Don't let your foot slip. See, what we have to do, the heart is, it's all about having an identity in, in, in God. That I don't belong to this world. I don't belong to sin. I belong to God. See, Solomon, in his good days, he wrote a book called The Song of Solomon. And there's a wide variety of ways you can interpret the Song of Solomon, but there's a refrain in the Song of Solomon that I love. I am my beloved, and he is mine. I am my beloved, and he is mine. I am my beloved, and he is mine. And that's, that's our identity. I belong to God. I'm a loved, beloved child of God, and he belongs to me. That's our identity. You don't belong to whatever you want to do. You don't belong to this world. You don't belong to a slippery slope. You belong to a climb that's something greater, something deeper, that that there's a prophetic voice speaking in your life. Don't just coast through this life. Keep your eye on the ball. Don't miss out on what God has for you. I want us to start strong. I want us to finish strong. I want us as a church, and I want every one of us to be faithful to God to the very end of our lives. Never forget that today's decision determines tomorrow's destiny. Live for God. Follow Him. You're always making the right choice when you follow God. You will be at your best when you follow God, when we're led of the Holy Spirit, when we're listening to the prophet and we're keeping our eye on the ball. Start strong today and finish strong. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just wait on you for a minute. God, I pray that your word finds good ground in our life. As we have a quiet moment to meditate. God, you say in your word that you reward those who diligently seek you. I want to be that person, Lord. We want to be those people. Lord, there's a lot of decisions for Monday morning and Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday night. There's a lot of decisions. May we always obey. May we follow you. May we keep our eye on the ball. God, I pray for each one of us that our identity would not be in what we have or what we don't have, who likes us and who doesn't like us, how famous or how obscure we are. May our identity be that I am my beloved's and he is mine. May we walk in that kind of close relationship with you. Lord, I pray that as a church, we would start strong and finish strong. Everything we do, faithful to the end. Lord, put prophetic voices in our life.
Lord, I pray that you would give me that prophetic voice. I pray that you would give Steve Sampson that prophetic voice. God, I pray that you would give the, the people that are speaking at the Influence Seminar that prophetic voice. Lord, help us to keep our eye on the ball and to finish well as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Whew. Love God's word. And I've been in bed for two weeks, so this feels really good. 